Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Empire. AI is taking real form in broadcast technology. A game engine is something that anyone can basically download and there's licenses that start at very low. So you, you're going to start seeing a lot of professionals that come from the game industry that suddenly transition into this broadcast television oh. environment and also movies. And, and there's going to be more and more of all of that. That's Rafael Pajes, CEO of Volograms, which allows realistic renderings to come to life. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Presentation matters. New technology alters our ability to see and feel our way into big-time sports. And now AI is upping the game even more by allowing for 3D models to join live broadcasts. It's the brainchild of Volograms, which believes we've only scratched the surface of taking the real world virtual. Our guest this week is Rafael Pajes. He is the CEO of Volograms, which empowers users in the creation of 3D content for augmented reality. They recently collaborated with Fox Sports. We're going to get into artificial intelligence, augmented reality, 3D technology. How are you, Rafael? Thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you very much. Very happy to be here. Tell me a little bit about what Volograms does. So Volograms is an AA company. Basically, what we do is that we take uh, photos or videos and turn them into 3D models. Uh, we're specialized in getting humans into 3D, you know, like real people, like uh, real uh, actors, performers, sports people, uh, that it's very difficult to typically represent in 3D. Uh, so we take a photo of, um, of a person and then turn it into what we call a volumetric hologram, which is actually where the name of the company comes from. Uh, the key thing is that we do it with AI, so we only need like one single photo, huh. uh, so we don't need like, the typical massive capture setup or anything like this. Okay, so tell me a little bit about a collaboration with Fox Sports. What were they looking to achieve by using these models? Yes, yeah, so uh, Fox Sports have made like a relatively big investment in, in their new uh, uh, studio setups, right? So they use the virtual production with the big LED wa- LED walls as they use in the movies and things like that. And they also have this fine virtual elements, uh, almost like augmented reality, but in the studio, right? So they would put there like a, the outline of a, of a player, uh, in this case, an NFL player, or they would put there like scores, stats, things like this. But typically, everything are, all of them are 3D elements. However, from the players, what they only have is like a 2D photo. Of them. Yeah. So they will have like a flat cutout, <laughs> as if it was like a, a cardboard cutout, <laughs> just standing there in the middle of the studio. So they normally have to be very careful with moving the camera so it doesn't break the illusion or anything like this. With our technology, we were able to take the, the images that they already had and turn them into 3D models. So they can put them, uh, let's say, in harmony with the, all the other 3D elements in the space. So if they change the, some dramatic effect or anything like that, like that then it reacts as, as any other 3D element. And the key thing is that 
we can do it from the photos that they already have. So we're trying to work with them and with other um, other te- televisions, like for instance, the RTE, which is the Irish TV, the national TV, into um, a pipeline of a way to go going from a normal image into a full 3D model that is really usable in the studio and stage. Uh, it's really interesting you bring up all the other elements to make this work, which is lighting, camera technology, all of the, the studio space that needs to be equipped for this. Um, as you work with companies, whether it's Fox Sports or others, um, how difficult is it to make the environment right technologically so that they get the effect that they're looking for with what you've created? I think uh, I think we're we're seeing right now like a very big transitioning towards how television is done. You know, we everything uh, was done in the past with very uh, broadcast specific software. You know, things like uh, very high end cameras and and a lot of technicians. And we're uh, when we add all these kind of visual elements and things like that, we're starting to move towards more what a game engine is. You know, like uh, most of the studios now run on Unreal Engine, which is what it's used for creating video games, but it's similar to how, what happens with the movies. Like a lot of movies right now and, and the LED screens are managed with game engines like Unreal Engine. So um, I think there is a transition from a very specific type of software and hardware that is using the broadcast uh, space to now more like uh, similar to what you would be using in real time rendering scenarios in games and stuff like that. So I think it's making it a lot more accessible, a lot easier to get into the space. But at the same time, it's a challenge, let's say, for the professionals who we'll have to now learn, let's say, a new language, new tools, and new things to be used. So I think that um, this transition is going to bring a lot of opportunities. And for people like us, we, we typically would um, optimize our assets and optimize our 3D models that we create for the game engines. Uh, it's, it's perfect. Is this, um, as you know, in all these media environments, very fractured right now, and so budgets come into play consistently. Um, is this an affordable future for television, film, et cetera, to transition to the types of hardware that you're talking about? I would say so, yeah. Um, I think that um, a game engine is something that anyone can basically download, and there's licenses that start at very low. So you, you're going to start seeing a lot of professionals that come from the game industry that suddenly transition into this broadcast television yeah. environment and also movies. And, and there's going to be more and more of that. Okay. Um, so tell me a little bit about the technology of making the holograms. How in the world do you take one picture of somebody <laughs> and then turn it into a 3D model of them? <laughs> so it's a form of generative AI, right? So you get... Um, you get one single photo. So from that photo, we apply multiple um, AI algorithms. The first one separates the person from the background. So identify the outline of the person. We have another algorithm that identifies the different body parts, clothing items, things like that. And then we have a few other things and uh, that we feed to what we call a volume estimate, estimation network. This is in, in layman terms, is a way of understanding not only how the appearance of a person is, but also the shape, the volume of that person. This is basically done by training an algorithm, by showing an algorithm, thousands of 3D models of humans huh. <laughs> and, uh, and asking and, and making it learn. So you end up learning what the shape of a person is. So then you give it a random image, you separate that person from, let's say, the environment, and you can guess more or less how that person is. There's also like a very interesting part, which is how that person looks from behind, not only what the shape is. Yeah. Right? So I take a photo of you from the front and it's like, how, how does it know how you look from behind? It's like, well, <laughs> it doesn't really know. It guesses. But as you have probably seen with all this um, stable diffusion and stuff like that, there's very advanced ways of making up uh, um, 
things that are not initially there in an image, like in painting, out painting, uh, that are actually very convincing. And what it will give you from the back is actually pretty good. Uh, it's funny because um, in the case of, uh, let's say, football players and stuff like that, what it doesn't know is uh, what number they're wearing behind. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, sometimes you will get that uh, it doesn't give you any number, but if it, get, if it guesses that what you what you're seeing on front is a jersey of a team, it will try to figure out what number it is on its own and sometimes even come up with a weird character that is not really like a normal number. So it does have its, its limitations, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in general, it does a pretty good job. Uh, what's amazing there is, I guess with a football player, if you put them in a football uniform, you could almost cheat to some degree because most players would look similar from behind if they were wearing a helmet and pads, etc. But if you were to do yeah. this with basketball players or movie stars, for that matter, like no one looks like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So to get his body shape, I think, correct and, and feel real, that, that must be it must be a learning experience. Yeah, I think um, so. Th there's a few components to this, right? Like one of them is having like a lot of data so you can train it. So it's uh, it's it's uh, let's say there's a lot of variation of the data. There's different uh, genders, uh, body types. There's different movements, clothing items, and so getting that data is complicated. But once you have it, um, I mean, uh, Dwayne Johnson is like a extremely muscular guy. So when you get the front and you separate the outline of the person the neural network already gets a pretty good idea of how everything else should be. And in the case of him, which is bald typically, it's even easier. I think it's more complicated when you have like a ponytail or something uh. that's not visible in the front. And then in those cases, sometimes it just fails and it will just give you some random hair that that's that not what it's supposed to be. Because of course it's guessing. But at the same time, for the applications that we're typically um, after, uh, normally the user doesn't go and, and try to go behind <laughs> the 3D model to say, okay, I'm going to see the, yeah. the back of the head of this guy. I mean, it's not so important. It is more important that it is a full 3D model because, as I said, you can apply lighting effects. You can use it in a, let's say, 3D environment very naturally, more than a normal 2D photo or something like that. And uh, and I think that that's what gives you the realism, the immersiveness that, that we're after. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. What you're creating to is static, right? No movement involved in the model itself. No, no, no. Actually, if uh, so, what we specialize is not really just getting static 3D models. We specialize in what's called volumetric video, which is, if you think of video as a sequence of 
photos, <laughs> a volumetric video is a sequence of 3D models. So if you, instead of feeding our, our algorithm, instead of feeding it a photo, you feed it a video taken from one single viewpoint, it will give you a volumetric video. So if you're, I don't know, there speaking, talking, doing some moves or whatever, you will, you will see that in the results. Huh. So it works with video too. Oh, that's wild. Okay. So I, I mean this with no tone. Um, uh, when you're talking to outlets and they want to partner with you, what are you telling them is the benefit of, of doing this? Um, you know, where, what do they get out of having this as part of their broadcast presentations? Yeah. So I think it depends a little bit on the application that you're looking for, right? So, um, all this, uh, if you if we are talking about the, the sports uh, industry where they want to show like the most impressive graphics, the most impressive uh, stats, they want to they want to have an edge into showing what they what they have, right? So they they put there these virtual tables with uh, elements that pop up and and stats and and shading and it's all very cool. It looks like uh, holograms basically in front of you. Uh, they right now have a limitation where they want to have where they want to put a three D person uh, because the, creating a three D person it's either you go to a big 3D scanning studio and you bring, you know, your football players to that uh, rig, which is going to cost you a lot of money because uh, there's nothing else that the, that the football players have, which is time <laughs> or resources to basically have to go and get captured. Um, or you got you get some artists, you know, to get a 3D model, like a kind of avatar-ish look of... Uh, and we've seen that uh, being done in the Super Bowl uh, back in the day, you know, with uh, with some players. And it's, it almost looks like a video game at the end of the day. What you want to have is a photorealistic version of that player, and and uh, and you want to have a, a fast and easy way of creating that asset. So what we're trying to give them is, look, you have already been playing. You're already putting like 2D cutouts in your studio, yeah. which is okay, but it, it's uh, it's not great. You are already creating this, uh, um, let's say, avatars of football players or cartoons in some clay cases because that's what you can do. What we're enabling you is to basically get a photorealistic version of this uh, football player or the sports uh, person without the need of having to go and capture them in 3D or anything like that, just with the assets that you currently have. And and that streamlines the process quite significantly. It's interesting that you pointed out gaming. Um, so obviously everybody is trying to connect with the younger generation. The younger generation plays more video games. The video games, to your point are vastly superior in what they produce for the visual experience than traditional television ever really could. And they have some advantages there, but they've been able to do that. Um, have you given thought to what the future of television looks like? Because it sounds like we're all going to be living in Fortnite very, very soon. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a, I kind of think that probably we will be living in Fortnite. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But I think that it's, it's not only like the, the whole gaming experience. In my opinion, is how you create this content. I think that um, the game developers or, or the tools to develop games have gone very far and very fast. And they are uh, now a lot of, uh, more accessible than what they used to be. Now they all have free options that anyone can get started. And they are so powerful now that it makes sense for them to replace more traditional, let's say, VFX um, VFX environments and in some cases like broadcast environments where uh, real time and, and uh, w was not such a big deal. Um, I think that uh, 
I, I don't think we necessarily will, are going to be living in Fortnite, but what I think is that probably the technology that is running Fortnite is just going to be running also the graphics on your on your TV, <laughs> and and that's what I mean with uh, you know all these game engines like Unreal and you know Unity. Um, we're going to see more and more of these tools getting into unexpected places like a broadcast studio. Yeah. Yeah. And I think how we view all of these items, whether it's entertainment or sports, the transition to mobile technology, the transition to people watching through their gaming systems, especially younger people are watching a lot of content through their gaming systems. I think that seems to matter here too. And what the broadcast operators are, are sensing this, right? That they better transition over to those spaces. Yeah, definitely. And I think the content needs to be more inter more interactive. They need to offer all the types of solutions to their younger audiences. We've seen how everyone started posting a lot on social media and that drove like their engagement in the USA quite significantly. Uh, we're going to see how more interactive experiences are going to happen with uh, basketball players, football players, um, instant replays that are in include 3D visualizations and stuff like that that are using technologies like ours. Uh, we're going to see more and more on that, and we're going to feel like we're part of the game, that we have a say in, let's say, in, okay, where do I want to see from? What are the stats that I want to get? Huh. Do I want to get a photo with uh, an art with one of the um, sports people, like the star? Um, do I want to get like some fan activation campaigns that are really, really engaging or farther than, you know, a commercial in the Super Bowl? <laughs> um, there's a lot to be done there, and I think that new generation of uh, of, of of viewers, of um, let's say spectators, uh, they have different ambitions and different interests. So we cannot just keep doing the same, uh, keep doing things in the same way that we were doing them 20 years ago. All right. Before I let you go, um, how did you get into this? What, what's your background? <laughs> so in, even though I'm an entrepreneur, um, my background is actually science. So I did a PhD in computer vision. So oh. I was working in this type of uh, technology for quite some time. And uh, but I always felt more like an engineer than really like a scientist. So I, I was always worried or, or interested in, in uh, getting the technology uh, into the hands of the, of the user or the, uh, somebody to basically uh, use it and pay for it eventually. So we ended up spinning out from the university where we were developing this technology. And uh, so, yeah, I'm basically a nerd <laughs> that got into this, uh, into this space. We're, we're all nerds in some way. I'm a sports nerd. You're a science nerd. We're all nerds in some way. Uh, Rafael Pias is the uh, CEO of Volograms. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the next Future Sport Podcast, we'll delve back into tracking technology that is modernized specifically for hockey. And whether you're sort of an earlier player 
kind of working your way up from single A hockey towards triple A hockey. Um, we're finding a lot of engagement and utilization in just this sense of community and almost like gamifying the sport. And I think everyone at every skill level is appreciating the instant feedback when they're getting on and off the ice or the field. That's Bill Neer, CEO of Helios Sports, who is an athlete turned engineer with design dreams that are having real effect. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.